You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction titled Just a Matter of Time, written by today's guest fanfiction writer, Yatsuba Dances in the Rain 5. Daisy turns her back to him, picking up another paper airplane. She aimed the paper airplane in the direction of the two girls that were now looking at their drawings, still giggling over them. She held up the paper airplane waiting for a draft and let it go from her fingertips. The paper airplane glided on the wind. The two girls caught sight of it before it stopped soaring, and it landed perfectly in between the two girls. They looked at the paper airplane in confusion, one of them picking it up, and they looked around. Daisy waved at them and they caught a glimpse of her, both of them now wearing wide smiles and pointing at the paper airplane. Did you make this? One of the girls shouted. She was looking at it like she was seeing the possibilities available to draw on the paper airplane. I did. You can keep it, Daisy yelled back. Thanks so much, the other girl shouted. That was cool that it flew like that. Hey, Daisy called back. She stuck her thumb in Luigi's direction and said proudly, He taught me that. Luigi wasn't used to being referred to with pride, other than when his big bro did that, so his shoulders hunched up at the unexpected, brief attention. He quietly moved himself away from the direction of her thumb to the side, but Luigi paused when he saw this new angle of Daisy's face. How the sun caught against her hair and her eyes were filled to the brim with joy, and there was a smile on her face that spread warmth all throughout him. A thought popped into his head that he couldn't take his eyes off of her, and that if night fell right now, she'd be drenched in the stars and would fit right in with them. Luigi kept this to himself. It felt like if he blurted it out, it would be one of those things that kept him up at night. Why did I say that? But by the way, Daisy turned that smile to him, however small his bravery was. It said that she would probably like to hear those words. Still, he didn't say anything, and he just joined her in the throwing of paper airplanes through the ocean air. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fanfiction writer today is Yotsuba Dances in the Rain 5, and she has been a member of AO3 since 2015. She has 476 fanfiction works posted for so many different fandoms that we cannot name them all. But the top three on her profile dashboard are Steven Universe, Puella Magi Madoka Magica, and Super Mario Brothers, which is super cool. Her other hobbies include drawing, martial arts, and learning Japanese. Yotsuba earned her black belt in Hapkido last year, and she now teaches martial arts classes at her dojo. Hell yeah! She has also had the opportunity to visit Japan, and she's also involved with the cultural group for her city's sister city in Japan. Yotsuba Dances in the Rain 5, welcome to FFM. How are you doing today? Minasan, <laughs> ah, very good. Very good. Do you want to hear the one thing that I remember from Japanese class in college? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, took, I took three years and it was such a long time ago that I don't remember. But I do remember Watashi wa Chaos Beru desu. <laughs> Your name. That's all I remember. Are you dazzled? Oh, Are you dazzled? I love it. I <laughs> Genki desu ne? Yeah, genki this. I, I said that a lot to my teachers. Genki this. Oh, I do that too. And she would always be like, I don't know. I don't remember what she used to say. She was the coolest teacher, though. Um, I had the best Japanese teacher in the world. She was also my history teacher, which was super cool. Oh, that's cool. cool. Um, but yeah, back in college, way long time ago. <laughs> but uh, about fan fiction, go ahead and tell us about your personal history. With fan fiction, do you remember like discovering your very first piece of fan fiction? 
Oh my goodness. Okay, so technically my start in fanfiction happened because when I was a little kid, I would look at cartoons and books and like um, computer games. Yes, even computer games that I liked and I would take the characters and I would draw them interacting or I would make stories on printer paper. And I used to dream about getting rich and buying all the rights to my favorite characters so they could be in a cartoon that was just for me, basically. <laughs> um, but my official start in fanfiction happened because of Fogu, or Ushinotain, which was a Harvest Moon fan site. Um, Harvest Moon was, and technically still is, um, because it got split off into two groups, Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons. It's a farming game where it has dating sim elements and slight combat. And on this forum, there was um, obviously game mechanics and how to become the best player by like finding out what characters like what and stuff like that. But there was a section where you would talk about whatever you wanted and someone posted a thread on there that said, I am sick and tired of fanfiction where the main characters are 100% perfect. I'm tired of it. And I remember this so clearly. Um, somebody linked a fanfiction and they said, this main character is so not perfect. And I got curious and I clicked on it because it was Harvest Moon and I found out that it was fanfiction and I was like... <gasps> Oh my god, people like make these stories and they post them online for other people to see. And I basically like read that thing in the whole afternoon. <laughs> oh nice. Do you remember by chance like was this a fan fiction posted on FFN or was yes. it AO3 FFN? I don't think archive of our own No, it had to exist back then. Um but fanfiction.net was like the probably the largest thing to exist and probably still is. I don't know. I've heard right now that it's kind of bursting apart at the seams. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh my god. I hate the doc manager for that stupid thing. Oh my god. Um, but actually, when I got my archive of our own account, I hunted down that fanfiction I put in my bookmarks. Nice. Nice. Because you're like, I don't want to forget my first piece of fanfiction. Did you know before you discovered that piece of fanfiction that fanfiction was even a thing? Or no. was that the story that kind of like, oh my gosh, people are doing this? <laughs> it was because like I got interested and I was like, are there other things on this like website? Is there anything else? And I just like kind of dove into it and I never came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I remember reading on FFN? We were talking before we started recording about different animes and stuff that I've seen. And I forgot to mention that like uh, when I was re during that era that I was watching Blood Plus, I was also watching Black Butler and oh, uh, yeah. Loveless. And so FFN was where I read a lot of like Black Butler fan fiction. And I also read a lot of like uh, stories for Loveless. I would say that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of anime fan fiction oh yeah on of course. ffn i think i think naruto yeah. probably takes the entire cake because there's yes. like thousands and thousands that's like baby's first anime <laughs> i never saw naruto though i've never seen any of it which is my friends are like what's wrong with you <laughs> oh i know no i've never seen it either it's my brother's one of my brother's favorites um you know he was really little well, I say that, but not really little. He was like, I don't know, in middle school or something when Naruto was out. And so he was so obsessed with Naruto. And so that's um, the perfect age. It, it is, though. It really is. And uh, I remember that I took my brother to the anime expo the second time that I went. I took him with me. And it, he was so excited, you know, because like <laughs> all these booths and Naruto was still kind of like, you know, kind of a big thing back then. And he was so excited. Yeah. He got so much merch. It was ridiculous. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is still like giant because they came out with that like sequel series with his son. And it's like, I think people started to call it um, Boruto, Boruto's dad instead of like Naruto. <laughs> it's like oh, a yeah. joke like that. But you did mention that I created my account in 2015, but I didn't actually start posting until October 2016 because I was so very nervous. And um, to nobody's surprise, my very first fanfiction posted there was dedicated to Luigi Daisy. And my friend 
who is probably listening in right now because I told her about this. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Um, she encouraged me to post it. She's like, it's so good. You need to post it right now. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Don't take my family away from me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a good experience, posting your very first piece of fan fiction? Oh, yeah, because then it led to me writing 476 of them. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, we've had some guests come on here with some really big fic numbers, but I'm pretty sure that that's the largest fic number that I've seen so far. It's amazing, though, and I'm so glad that it was a good experience for you. Because, like, I know that it can be really scary, right? Posting that very first piece of fan fiction. Oh, my legs turned to jelly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you never know what you're going to get, right? When you post something online. So, um, but that's so awesome that you had a friend who was encouraging you and like in your corner and being like, no, no, it's good. Just do it. (laughs) Sometimes we just need that encouragement from people who are in our corner, I think. She still does that. She never stops. It's very much appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. What about like... Aside from fan fiction, which we know is kind of like part of the larger fandom experience, what have been some of your experiences with fandoms just in general? So I also post fan art. There's actually a fandom that we're going to be talking about that very much encouraged me to post my fan art, which is Steven Universe. Um, My friend that I mentioned previously, she got me into it because there's a couple on the show called Ruby and Sapphire. And... She was like, Yotsuba, like, you need to watch it right now. I'm like, I don't know, dude. And she said, there's a couple called Ruby and Sapphire, and they make up the best character, Garnet. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. And it's awesome because that was like the first time that I was really posting my fan art anywhere. And people liked it. I'm like, oh, nice. They like my fan art. Um, The thing with Steven Universe, too, is that it's such a very sweet show that it's exactly my jam. <laughs> the thing that I got out of it was that all throughout the series, this kid, Steven, he's like learning about himself and he's learning about the world and how it's changing around him. And once he gets to this point where everything's like pretty much okay, he's left with this feeling that he has no purpose and he just like hates himself so much. And the thing that that you have it by the end is that everybody comes together and they're like, we love you no matter how bad you feel about yourself. And that's a good lesson, I think, that no matter how bad you feel about yourself, you're still worthy of love and you're like, you have inherent worth within you. And it's like, oh my God, this is a kid's show and they're giving us this like amazing lesson, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people, I think, because, you know, I hear about Steven Universe here and there from different fan fiction writers over the years. And so it seems like a message that a lot of people feel very compelled by, you know? Yeah. It's a good universal message to have. The thing that's also good about it is that um, it gives a lot of LGBT plus representation. In particular, what I mentioned before, um, Ruby and Sapphire is, I think, the very first moment in American history of um, animation where a lesbian couple gets married and they get to kiss on screen with like, kind of like the Disney, like, ba 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 ba, like it's so magical and wonderful. And to be honest, when the wedding happened, I was squealing in my chair. <laughs> When I was watching it, I was so happy. Another thing that I wanted to mention is that, as you noticed, I have so many fanfics. I have a grab bag of fandoms. I just love fanfiction a lot because I see it as something that people have all these ideas for the things that they love and they just do it and it gives them happiness. And sometimes it's like, hey, canon sucks. (laughs) Let's make it better with our words. Right. And there's a movie called, an anime movie called The Night Short Walk On Girl. And there was a lesson that said in the movie where this girl is like out on the town. She's having fun. She's like drinking. (laughs) She's drinking so much alcohol. And she um, gets inspired and she wants to find this childhood book that she had when she was a kid. And she goes to this like black market book place. (laughs) It's been a while. And she meets this um, god and he 
he's the god of books, and he's like, everything that you've ever read, that was inspired by somebody else, and that person was inspired, and that person was inspired, and that was like, my third eye opened. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, everything that we do is built on someone else's words, someone else's being, and I just think that's really beautiful that we make these things live forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's this endless cycle of being inspired and then inspiring others. And the yeah. ripple effect lasts forever. Mm -hmm. And I also see fandom as the C.S. Lewis quote, which I'm probably going to butcher, where it's like, he talks about friendship and part of friendship is, what? I thought I was the only person who liked this thing. You like it too? Oh my god. Because that's definitely something that I get when I write <laughs> fan fiction and post it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That actually reminds me of a quote that I saw by, uh, I think it was Nathaniel Hawthorne. Hawthorne? Yeah, and he was talking, it, and maybe it wasn't Hawthorne, maybe it was, um, maybe it was Scott Fitzgerald, but, um, they were talking about <laughs> literature, you know, and yeah. about how literature makes us realize that we're not alone in yeah. our human experiences, you know, that we realize that we're actually connected by these, like, common experiences as human beings. And that fiction and literature are like very powerful ways of connecting us together through stories, <laughs> which I think is super cool. I love yeah. that. The thing that also cracks me up about fandom is that the the fandoms, which are very sweet, like the show is very sweet. They often have the darkest materials and the stuff that's really dark. It comes out with the sweetest material from the fans. It's like, okay, I know what we're trying to get out of it, you know? Now, I know you had some other fandoms that you wanted to talk about today. What, which ones were those? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, so, as I said, my fandom tag is like a mishmash of everything. I've written for Undertale, Little Nightmares, Owl House, Eve, Kirby, Yotsuba, my favorite manga, <laughs> um, or the Monogatari, otherwise known as My Love Story, which has one of my OTPs, Takeo and Yamato, and... Bob's Burgers, which is my favorite adult cartoon. <laughs> I love Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yes! Oh my god! See, that's where it is. That's where C.S. Lewis comes in. I like it too. So do you. Um, but yeah, um, for those who don't know, Bob's Burgers is a comedy. And it's about this family who's like kind of living on the poverty line for their um, burger place. And they just get into like these misadventures but what's awesome about it is that the family actually loves each other and it's very wholesome at times and i gotta say um the movie came out in may of 2020 this year i saw it the day they came out and i cried a river <laughs> and i can talk about it a little bit um there will be spoilers so just keep that in mind um in the movie they talk about his mother bob's mother and they never talk about her on the show and that's the moment where I started crying because it meant I might actually get a little bit teary thinking about it <laughs> I'm sorry the part that matters so much is that he talks about his daughter and he says that when you wear that hat because his mother wore um pink hat and that was the inspiration for his daughter's um pink ears Louise's pink ears and he says when you wear that hat, I feel like you've, you've met my mother, and I forget that you guys don't. And it's like, that's the kind of sweet family thing that they're so good at making that it's not overtly sentimental, but it's just enough that it feels real. And the thing that was also awesome about that moment was that they make a joke that is in character for the scenario. Like, it's nothing like like a cool quote or something like that. And I was crying and then I started laughing my ass off. Did you ever see that episode where, I mean, I haven't seen all the episodes, but I have watched like so many of them. But um, I love the fact that the oldest girl, I can't remember her name. Tina. She writes friend fiction. She writes friend fiction. And there was that one episode where she's like writing friend fiction about everybody touching everybody else's butts. Yep. And it was like, <laughs> I died during that episode because I was like, oh my That's God, us. they're talking about fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is great because I've never felt so represented by a girl who's like a total weirdo, but it's not like 
Oh, she just gets pink on her overalls sometimes. No, Tina's a weirdo, and it's great. Oh, yeah. She's so strange, but, like, in so many ways, I can relate to her, too. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, I love I love you, Tina. Like, that's just Tina's so cool. And, she, and the thing I love about her, too, is that she doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. It's great. Yeah, like, whatever anybody else thinks about her, she's like, I don't care. She yeah. just does. She does what she wants. And it, she just kind of lets her freak flag fly yeah. and writes her erotic her friend, friend fiction. fiction. And it's just so <laughs> great. I love it. <laughs> well, that's like the whole family, too, because like they're a bunch of weirdos, but who cares? They're great. And one thing that I want to mention is that um, I wrote a fic based on Bob's mother in that moment in the movie. And one line in it says... He, she tells him, if you ever get lost, you need to, like, look for this hat, and then I'll be able, you'll be able to find me. And that moment actually came from my mom, because when we got done watching the movie, we were, like, walking back to the car, and she said, I bet that Bob's mom had that hat on, because she wanted him to, like, look for her in the crowd if she ever got, if he ever got lost from her. And she would know that, because she's a mom, you know, that's what they know. And it actually led to, like, the part that's that I thought was, like, the most emotional, which is that Bob's mom in the fic says, you'll always be able to find me, but then she dies. But then he's able to find his mom in his family. Like, that's what I wanted to get across. So, like, no matter how much someone is taken away from you, that love is never lost. It's always found somewhere else. I love that. That's like the perfect scene or the perfect like tone to pull for a fan fiction. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And I, I'm excited to talk to you uh, a little bit later on about, you know, how you craft your fan fictions and all of that. But um, I know you had a couple of other fandoms that you wanted to, to yeah. mention really quick before we move on. So um, which ones are those? As a broad thing, too, I love fairy tales and the supernatural. <laughs> um, but the two fandoms that I wanted to talk about before the big... I guess it's like the appetizer. The next thing is going to be like the, the grand meal. <laughs> is what you mentioned earlier. Um, Puella Magi Monica Magica. It's a magical girl show that goes in a dark direction. Um, people die and it makes people cry. <laughs> um, so I liked magical girl stuff. I think right now it might be kind of like still kind of dark. I haven't really been keeping up on it. But I liked um, Tokyo Mew Mew. Sugo Chara and Pre-Tier, which are like kind of ranging in the magical girl genre. Uh, I'll get out of that part. So my introduction to it was that my classmate brought the manga to Japanese school and I was like, oh, it's been a while since I like enjoyed a magical girl thing for a while and they're sweet and they're fun. I'm going to enjoy this. And then we get to the part where um, one of the main characters, Mommy, or Mammy. I don't know. Um, Her head gets bitten off. <laughs> nice. Nice. And I was so shocked that I was turning the pages back and forth. I'm like, no, 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 no. She's not dead. Wait, wait, wait. wait. She must have come back to life at some point. And no, she's dead. She's dead, Jim. She's dead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I was like, oh, shit. We're in a, deep, we're in a different wheelhouse right now. But yeah, it gets... I think it's dark, but I don't think it's, like, too overt. But what's fun about it is that I mentioned before when we were talking is that even though it gets so dark, at the end of the original series, Monica looks at all this bullshit and she's like, you know what? Fuck you. I believe in hope. I'm going to become a goddess for magical girls. I'm going to save them. And she does. And it's great. What I got out of that, too, is Monica and Hamura... Hamura goes back in time over and over to save Monica from her becoming a witch. Um, witches are like the monster of the week, but they're born from fallen magical girls. And it has like that tragic undertone of poor Hamura loses her innocence. She loses her friends over and over and over. And she can't do what she promised Monica she would do, which is save her. Because I think there's something about her wish too, where it's made... So that she can never save her because being a magical girl is not safe, you know? Yeah, so it has that kind of feeling where you can be really angsty, which I am sometimes because you need that in your life. <laughs> or you can be like, okay, here are the ashes of the good thing that happened. Let's rebuild it into 
something that is, everything's good. Everything's gonna be hunky-dory. It'll be okay in the end. It actually was okay in the end for the fandom until Rebellion came out, <laughs> which is a movie that caused discourse in the fandom for a thousand years. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, so um, Parmara did a bad thing. She made it so that Madoka is no longer a goddess anymore, and she became the devil. It's a whole thing. So that caused a lot of problems in the fandom, a lot of fighting. I'm like, oh my god, I don't give a shit. I just want to look at the cute stuff. But that leads into something that is my favorite, was my favorite experience with anything in fandom, anytime, which that there was a troll on Tumblr. I'm assuming it was a troll. It probably wasn't. This troll would go on different blogs, and the two big pairings of Monica um, at that time were Maruhomu, which is Monica and Hanmura, or Kyo Saya, which is Kyoko and Sayaka. And this person would go on these um, blogs and it would be like, how dare you ship these characters with other characters, like you're disregarding their canon feelings, like that kind of bullshit. <laughs> and what happened is that the whole like section of fandom that I was in got so pissed off by it that they were like, you know what? We're going to make a whole month dedicated to unknown pairings and we're going to give all the pairings in this fandom all the love that they can get. And I think that the togetherness was kind of like an anime thing where people band together and they defeat the evil because that troll, to my knowledge, never came back. It was great. Nice. Nice. That was yeah. a happy ending. Happy, happy ending. ending to the troll. <laughs> and oh, that's so cool. To be fair, I think at this point, people are just like so sick of not getting stuff for the main series because we got a bunch of spinoffs, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> that they're just kind of like, okay, we're done with this course. We're not going to talk about this anymore. It's chill. It's pretty chill now. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was Sam and Max. <laughs> so, Sam and Max is a plethora of different media. It started out as a comic, which is super expensive. Um, I looked it up on eBay, and I think it goes for like thousands of dollars because it's out of print, which is unfortunate. But when I was a kid, I loved the show and the Telltale games. And I just found out probably earlier in the summer that they had remakes for the games on the Switch. And I was like, oh, cool. I loved Sam and Max when I was a kid. Let me get back into it. And... Every time I played that those two games, which are out right now, the third one's going to be coming out pretty soon, I think, I would just be, like, laughing <laughs> the entire time. And the thing that's also great about it is that the two main characters, um, Sam and Max, they're, they've been best friends since they were kids, and they're so morally ambiguous, but it's funny. It's really funny. And... Their dynamic is just, like, amazing. I haven't really seen anything like it. And the way how I can sum it up is that Max is this, like, <laughs> he's a hyperkinetic rabbity thing that has a penchant for violence. And Sam is a dog who dresses like Humphrey Bogart. And they, like, solve cases together because they're freelance police. And to sum up their relationship... There's a part in one of the games where Max and Sam are talking to a potential suspect and the suspect is like getting on their nerves and Sam and Max is like, I'll kill him. And then Sam says, not yet. <laughs> I think it's something like in the show Bible or something like that. It says that they suck at their jobs and that they do try to help, but they just make everything worse. But the thing that's cool about it too is that even though they're also, like, jerks to each other sometimes. Like, they'll, there's a part in one of the games where Max is annoying Sam. And Sam says, um, Max, like, give me a pen and paper. I need to write a note to remind me to smother you in your sleep. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. The thing that's great about them, too, is that they care about each other. Like, unambiguously. They just, like... They love each other, they care about each other, they're like, we're best friends, and the thing that's also good about it is that there are hints that they're, like, a couple. <laughs> so it's like, oh, nice, they're, like, a couple that's based on friendship, and they know each other so well. So that's 
part of what got me into it too is because I like to see their interpretation of them being a couple, but they're not like touchy feely. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because when I write fan fiction for them, and I've seen this happen with the fandom as well, it's a lot more sentimental than the games are, but it's indulgent, so it's good. But there's an implication that they, no one else is allowed to like touch them, hug them, except for each other. Because <laughs> that if that if that didn't happen with someone, if that happened with somebody else, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know. <laughs> I want to bring this up too because there's a part in one of the games where they go down to hell and they make things better somehow, and Satan shows up and, <laughs> oh my god, I just realized that this series is so strange when you talk about it outside of context. Um, Satan shows up and he gives like a pat on the head to Max. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like glaring at him. But throughout the games, whenever Max gets a hug or a pat on the head from Sam, he doesn't care. He's like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) And the one thing too is that similar to Monica Magica, there's a entry in the game called 305. And I'm sure that any fans who are listening in are just like, oh no! So Max gets psychic powers in the third Telltale game and he becomes, oh my god, I'm so sorry for spoiling spoiling this 10 year old game. Um, <laughs> he gets psychic powers and he turns into a monster and you can't save him. And Sam, I feel so bad for him because he gets like jerked around, his little buddy's like brain gets stolen and then he gets given back, and then Max becomes a monster, and then he finds out, oh, I can't save him. And when he does find that out, um, he walks away and he's all sad. They're not, like, sentimental like that, and you get the feeling like, oh my god, everything is wrong because Sam doesn't have Max anymore. But then it gets worked out in the end, Uh, but to this day, 305 is, like, the angst generator (laughs) because... Like, after that, there were no no more Telltale games. They came out with a VR game, but they don't talk about what happened in Telltale, so it's like, alright, whatever. Um, fanfics will have to suffice. I also... <laughs> I also want to mention that their ship name is Freelance Husbands, which is fucking oh, that's adorable. Cute. Right? That's so cute. It's fucking adorable. <laughs> and one more thing that I wanted to mention about them is that I have a fic that I wrote about them, which is kind of like a missing scene where they go up to the North Pole and they're on the road trip. And I was like, oh, that'd be fun to like write about them going on the road trip. And there's a line where it says in the narrative that Sam had so much fun with Max that sometimes he forgot that they were going to the North Pole. They forgot the destination. And that was actually true of me because when I was writing that like in-between stuff, I would had so much fun writing it. I was like, oh, yeah. They're supposed to go to the North Pole at the end of this. <laughs> and I I think that, like, sums up their relationship, that it doesn't matter where they go or, like, who they meet. As long as they have each other, they're just going to have fun. They're going to, like, be happy, you know? That, that All they need is each other. And if anyone tries, like, encroaching that, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Get away from us. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cute. And it's always so much fun when you have a pairing dynamic like that. Because I think there's a lot of potential for really good storytelling. Yeah. So speaking of fan fiction, you mentioned earlier that you've really appreciated the connective nature of literature in general, which is absolutely true of fan fiction. So I wanted to go in just for a few short minutes about what are some of your other favorite things about the concept of fan fiction in general? Yeah. Um. So part of what I wanted to talk about in relation to that is that I'm a member of Oh my god. (laughs) I always feel silly whenever I talk about um, Reddit culture. There's a subreddit called fanfiction. I'm there all the time. (laughs) Oh my god, yes! Yep, it's good. It's good. Um, (laughs) So there are these events that happen where people will be like, okay, we're gonna like look at each other's fanfics and leave reviews on them. And I always like talk too much <laughs> when I like do reviews on, on other people's fix because I just love that they put in so much effort and love. I might not know every context or like everything that goes on. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on in like Supernatural. I don't know what's going on 
is like pretty cure, but it's still awesome to like read what people put out there and what they love. That's part of what I like about fanfiction, like kind of going back to that shared literacy thing. That's just like kind of what sums it up. It's just like we have this connection. We might not know all the fandoms, but we're tied together by the love of fanfiction and by making stories that kind of like fill in or fix something or it's like I want to go really dark today and I'm going to make it everybody else's problem. (laughs) (laughs) No I love that. I love that answer though because again that really speaks to the community of fan fiction in general which I really appreciate too. I found that subreddit like years ago and I have always really enjoyed it because I feel like for the most part it's a very supportive positive place. People have a lot of cool things to say. People are very helpful Mm -hmm. And I do see those threads all the time where people are like, hey, you know, like I want to read, you know, your fan fiction. So post a link down below and I'll check it out and I'll let you know what I think. And I always think that that's a really sweet thing that people volunteer to do that because there are some people out there who, you know, for whatever reason, feel like they don't get a lot of engagement on their Mm -hmm. stories. And so sometimes it's really nice to just have someone say, hey, I'll read it. I'll let you know what I think. And they'll leave comments. And it's just really sweet. I always think that's really cool when I see stuff like that happen. So um, it's a cool place for anyone who hasn't checked it out. I know Reddit like scares a lot of people, but um, (laughs) but the fan fiction Reddit page I think is actually really nice like well moderated so and of course you know any fandom space online is what you make it so just keep that in mind but we are talking about Super Mario Brothers fandom today a little bit right because we wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, your fan fiction which is a Super Mario Brothers fan fiction called Just a Matter of Time and I will state right here now I don't know very much about Super Mario Brothers canon stuff like I'm aware that it's a video game Well, right. Like, I'm aware it's a video game, and there's not a whole lot of storyline to the video game, because it's Nintendo. I mean, like, this game has been around since, like, the early original Nintendo, like, days. Like, I remember having an original Nintendo, guys, and that's what we played on it was Super Mario Brothers. So, um... (laughs) So I always get a kick when I see folks writing fan fiction on uh, video games, especially old school video games like this. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like, how did you get into the fandom side of Super Mario Brothers? What do you love the most about that whole thing? The most I love of Mario is Luigi Daisy and Polterpop. <laughs> nice. Of course. Of course. So no one's surprised. I did mention that Mario doesn't have canon, but there are a couple of games that have more story to them. They're just, like, not referenced the next time around, and it it kind of pisses me off a little bit, because I think that there's a lot of potential there. But my origin story... (laughs) Like you said, Mario's been around for a really long time, so for people who, like, come after that, it's just, like, insulated within them. So what happened was that when I was a kid, my cousins and I, my maternal cousins and I, we would play Mario Party together, which is funny, because... Now, I don't like Mario Party. <laughs> I think it's really boring. <laughs> um, it's definitely my least favorite spinoff. I'm sorry to anybody who likes Mario Party. I just don't jive with it. So I knew about Mario, but I didn't really care about the characters all that much. And then when I got older, um, we played Super Smash Bros. Brawl, which is basically... At that time, it was just Nintendo characters, and Sonic and Snake showed up too. (laughs) They just like beat the shit out of each other, because she plays them. And there was a stage called Luigi's Mansion. Now, Luigi's Mansion is a game that came out in 2001, and the song that played for Super Smash Bros. was like this orchestra, and it was scary. And when I was at that age, I wanted to get scared by things, but not too much. So it was like... Crush Cowardly Dog, or Are You For The Dark, or just like a couple of horror games, you know, like Silent Hill and stuff. And I thought like, oh, cool, like this Luigi's Mansion seems to be like a little bit dark, but it's still in my wheelhouse. So when I got home after playing the game with my cousins, um, I looked it up and I found a playthrough of it on YouTube. And I got super interested in like all the different things that happen in the game, like the ghosts and stuff. And... I found out about Luigi <laughs> and people who know me are like, oh no, this is where it started <laughs> because he's my favorite character. Him, Yotsuba, and Kirby are my top three favorite characters and it was because of Luigi's Mansion that I started to 
realize that Luigi's an, a great character because he's cowardly. He's super cowardly, but he still pushes on and he's very sweet and like gentlemanly. But people in the games like make fun of him all the time. He's got that underdog thing going on. Yeah. Especially in comparison to Mario because Mario is. I mean, Mario is great too. I think he's awesome. But he has this position where everybody loves him unconditionally, and Luigi doesn't get that aside from his friends and from his brother and his ghost dog. And to me, from Daisy, <laughs> in a romantic way, um, he doesn't really have that support system that Mario does, and it's really disheartening. But at that age where I was like going through a hard time, I at that young age, I was like, oh, he feels bad about himself, but he still pushes on. He's me, you know? Yeah, well, it's not easy living in your brother's shadow. You know, it's really not. And that's so interesting that you mentioned like Luigi with Daisy, because I was going to ask you what makes that particular pairing compelling for you. But you kind of answered that where Luigi, he doesn't have the support system that his brother has. But Daisy comes into his life and she's the support system. Like they support each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I don't want to like be too like on heavy on one side because in a relationship it should be equal. (laughs) Uh, I'll get off my soapbox. But from Luigi's Mansion, we got Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in 2013, which is like 12 years after the release of Luigi's Mansion. Kill me. (laughs) And I was so excited for it. At that time when it was still in production, Nintendo Power, which was a magazine, was still making issues. And they had a little blurb on Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. It wasn't even like a whole page. It was like, one-third of the page of information, and I read that article over and over and over. I was so excited, and when I finally got it, I think I played it in, like, a weekend. (laughs) I think I finished it in, like, a weekend. (laughs) And then we got Luigi's Mansion 3 in 2019, which is my favorite one because the cutscenes and the Luigi adorableness is top tier. It's great. Go play it. Everybody go play it right now. Excellent, especially if Luigi's your favorite, right? Especially if Luigi... Well, yeah, I think if people have Luigi's their favorite, they're like, sister, I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in terms of Mario spinoffs, too, Mario and Luigi is my favorite, but unfortunately, they're not making any more games. The studio shut down. Unsurprisingly, Mario and Luigi Dream Team is my favorite. That's the one that was made during the year of Luigi. And it has Luigi as the star of the show. And it's great. They should do that more. Well, it's as no surprise to anybody that you would be writing Luigi-centric fan fiction then as part yeah. of like Super Mario Brothers fandom and stuff, which was really cool for me because I don't know anything about Luigi. So like <laughs> reading a fan fiction that was Luigi-centric was really interesting for me. I was wondering if you could talk about your fan fiction just a matter of time. What is the story about? And then like, where did the idea for this fit come from? Yeah. I also want to mention that I see Bob and Linda from Bob's Burgers as the PG-rated version of Luigi and Daisy. Oh, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Because Bob is kind of like the scruffy, more cynical version of Luigi, where they're both like really down to earth and like, I don't want to deal with this shit. And Linda and Daisy are very excitable. And since Bob and Linda love each other so much, that's like kind of what I want to give to Luigi and Daisy as well. Like, even when they're not, like, you know, I love you, I love you, we're Valentines. Um, <laughs> that's obvious that they still love each other. Uh, but yeah, time for an info dumping about my fake. <laughs> so, the basis of Luigi Daisy is that opposites attract, and there's so much potential there. And the fic is about Luigi coming to terms with the fact that what he feels for Daisy is not strictly platonic, but he's a coward, so he can't spit it out. And the idea for it came from a Disney short called Paper Man. And Paper Man is this really cute short where this guy meets a lady, and they have this connection with each other via a work document that smacks the lady in the face because of the wind and at least his um, lipstick print on it. Yeah, they get separated, and... He sees her across the way from his work, 
and he wants to get her attention. He's like, hey, like, we have this connection. We were really happy. And he throws paper airplanes, and it doesn't work. But then, you know, at the low point of the film, this cute little short film, the paper airplanes come to life, and they bring these two together. And part of what inspires this fic is not only that scenario, but it's the paper airplanes, which is like, I love paper airplanes, and the music for it is just like amazing. And I listened to it a hundred times, and I developed this idea, and then in writing it and editing it, I listened to that song like 900 times. I listened to it over and over and over again. So it's like a will they, won't they kind of thing where he does these nice things for her, not looking to get anything back because he's just like an earnest, nice dude. And he just, like, wants to make her happy. Seeing her happy is what he gets out of it. But it's also looking at it from his perspective that maybe he doesn't realize that what she feels for him is what he feels for her. Because I made a point of having these moments where it's pretty obvious that she likes him back. Like, um, <laughs> on the the beach scene where he, like, lays back and he's listening to her talk and... She's making the paper airplanes, and he, like, closes his eyes. He just takes in the moment, and he feels that weight next to him. He tilts his head, and he sees her, and she's just, like, watching him. She thinks that he's asleep when he's really not. It's like she's just, she's just looking at him and enjoying his company. And it's like, oh, I wonder if they like each other. Yeah, it was really cute because it was all these little scenes of them, like, interacting. And it really was kind of one of those will they, won't they kind of things because you can like sense that he really likes her <laughs> and you can sense that she really likes him too but they're both kind of dancing around it you know <laughs> I know yeah I mean <laughs> I'm actually making a companion piece to that fic where it's from Daisy's perspective and part of why she doesn't go for it is because she knows that he is a very nervous guy and she doesn't want to overstep the boundaries that they have for each other. And one of the lines that I wrote down for that is she never wants to make it, him feel like he should be afraid of her. Like if he oversteps those boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so dramatic when you think about it in terms of Mario, but that's how I feel about it. And in terms of canon, the little things that we get of Luigi Daisy, because, you know, Mario's for kids. It's not going to be like overt but it is like very small parts like that where Luigi is just like incomplete and other adoration of her they're like little videos that I found where he's like oh we went to go get pizza together and it's like oh Nintendo um talk about that please <laughs> yeah right so there's a lot of potential for you to kind of yeah you know, expand right and- <laughs> And the line that I'll be saying over and over again is, I wrote a fic about that, and that's true for the pizza thing. He also says, like, oh, she's very beautiful, and she makes my heart go bada-bing, bada-boom. It's like, oh my god, dude, you're too cute. Stop it. And on Daisy's end, um, <laughs> we Luigi Daisy fans hold on to this with, like, the grip of a dead man. There's a game where it's, like, a sports game. And she wins, and she, like, skates past him, and she's like, hey there, sweetie! (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, I see how it is. And there's also a game called Fortune Street, where if you play, I think if you play as Luigi, and then you interact with, like, the Daisy NPC, she's like, oh, um, Luigi, you're gonna sell this property to me, right? What? You're not going to? After all we've been through together? (laughs) Oh, dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Like, oh, Nintendo, again, write about that, please. I'm sick of like these non story stuff. Well, see, that's where the magic of fan fiction comes in because exactly. you could absolutely tease out all of those storylines and there's so much potential for it. I had a question for you about your writing process a little bit. Oh, yes. Because I, I talked to so many different writers and they all say different things about the challenges and the fun parts of writing fan fiction. So I was wondering, like, for you as a writer, like, personally, what part of the fan fiction writing process for you is the most challenging? And then what part is the most fun for you? Taking breaks or understanding that when you have writer's block, that's your brain telling you to chill out. <laughs> But something that's a little bit more physical is that I write down stuff in 
my chunky notebooks before editing them and I had to take breaks because it hurts my hand. <laughs> but sometimes I like just power through it. I'm like, okay, you need to stop, girl, just stop. <laughs> but the thing that's the most fun is that I get to put these beautiful images there in my head and put them on paper, which is true for fan art and for fanfic. And what's also great is that when I write fanfic, I'll put in things that are from my own experience. And that's definitely true of the fic that I wrote because in one of the sections that I wrote where Luigi and Daisy go get, um, they go to a shop together and he, he buys her the umbrella. That's based off a time when my friend and I went to the mall together and he was looking at a mug. He's like, uh, I can't buy this. And he put it back and I was like, sneakily looking around and I like hid it underneath my arm and I bought it for him. And he was so happy about it. And also I want to mention in that scene, there's a part where Luigi looks at a jacket and he's like, oh, that thing's ugly. <laughs> That's a reference to uh, the 1993 Mario movie. Yes, it exists. It's centered on Luigi Daisy, which is like 95% of why I like it. And there's a scene where Luigi wears this like red jacket. It's so fucking ugly. It looks like something out of Miami Vice. And I put like a little reference to it in the fic. Because <laughs> it makes me laugh. That's so funny. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> That's so no funny. No one's pointed it out yet, which is good because it means that their um, movie taste is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that that scene was your favorite from the whole fic or did you have a different scene? Oh, no, not even close. That was like a second. <laughs> um, I think my two favorite scenes. Um, I also want to mention that I forced my two younger cousins, my step-cousins, to watch the Mario movie with me. And when it came to the part... I'm such a bad older cousin. When it came to the part where Luigi and Daisy meet for the first time, my younger cousin looked at me with this face of understanding. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> she knows. She knows why I like this movie now. <laughs> uh, it was It was a good time. I think it's really fun. Yeah, but my two favorite scenes are when they're on the beach because it's like the big tipping point before they finally get over themselves and like talk to each other about it you know the two girls that i wrote in the fic they're based off me and my friend because that i mentioned earlier in the podcast because when we get together we look at each other's fan art and we giggle over them because we draw like silly things sometimes or at least i do and we always have a good time together. And I also want to mention that every time that she reads a Luigi Daisy fanfic of mine, she makes a tea kill screech. It's like, eee! It's really loud. It's louder than me, even. And it's astounding. Just because she loves it so much. And also, um, the boy that Luigi meets at the shore who's playing on the ukulele, that's a reference to Steamy Universe because I was feeling sentimental. But part of why I like that section is because there's that moment where he sees Daisy and he's like, he sees that different side of her face and he just like pauses and he's completely enamored with her. And he like wants to say that she looks like she can be drenched in the stars, like she could be, like she is like very beautiful in everything that she does, but he doesn't. Because he's like, what if I say it and then I regret it later on? It's like, dude, stop being a coward. <laughs> Even though I'm the one that wrote it, you know? It's just like the thing where I kind of tease the audience a little bit and I take it away. Because that's what you do sometimes. <laughs> oh, I love that that's your favorite scene because that was actually mine too. I read the whole thing and I was like, oh my gosh, this scene. There's, there was just something about it. I really love those scenes where one character is having all of these emotions. <laughs> yeah, internal emotions and thoughts about the other person while they're in their physical presence. But, you know, we as readers get in on that because we can read, right? Like what's going mm -hmm. on on the page. But the other person has no idea that the other person that they're with is having all of these like crazy thoughts about them. <laughs> and it's just, it's really sweet. And I just thought that Luigi's thoughts about that whole thing were just really sweet. So I think that I like that too. That's awesome. Um, also... My other favorite scene was the ending scene, because I love the rain. It shows up all the time, and my fix as a way to say, like, hey, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, also, because that's where the idea started, because when I was developing it, 
I was like, how am I going to, like, have them have this great emotional connection at a train station when they already know each other? Because I was, like, kind of basing it off Paper Man, and I thought about putting it in an alternate universe where it's, like, a human, where, like, no nothing crazy happens. I was like, I don't want to bother with that. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, like, a Paper Man reference there that they have that emotional connection at a train station. And part of why I like it so much is because it kind of flips the dynamic for them a little bit because Daisy's the one that's being vulnerable in saying, I don't know why I left the umbrella for you, but you know, like, the reader knows why she did. It's because she likes him and that she feels like she feels bad that he does nice things for her, but she hasn't given it back to him not knowing that her being happy is enough for him. And I was also talking about how um, Luigi is this person who has so much insecurities and her saying, I don't feel like I'm enough when it comes to you. Like that makes him feel bad because he feels like that every part of his life. <laughs> but he doesn't want her to feel like that she doesn't, she's not enough for him because she is enough for him. And that's why him saying, you're enough, if you stayed with me, then everything would have been okay because it's you that's staying with me. That's like a way of saying I love you without saying I love you. Right, right. And it's just, it was so sweet that they could support each other in that way at the very end because you're right, like they both instinctively understand where the other is coming from on that because they've both felt that way before. And so they can be each other's safe space to be able to explore those types of emotions with each other. And I think that was just really sweet. Yeah. You know, like how gentle they are with each other. Yeah, that's like what I want to have for them when I write for them, where it's a gently nurturing, protective kind of love. And it's like really based on trust and built on friendship because they are friends until the very end of the fic where they become romantic partners. And part of it too that, of course, I had a lot of fun with was writing the kiss because usually when I write these will they, won't they fix with Luigi and Daisy, he just gives her like a little kiss on the forehead and then she gives him the kiss on the lips to like show where they stand. But I had him take the initiative this time and because he knows that's what she wants and he just like goes for it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to end it right there. I can have her kiss him too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was uh, the emotional payoff scene. It was yeah. super cool. Thank you. And one part that I had a lot of fun with, too, is describing Daisy as going in for everything in her life. And he's like, oh, yeah, it feels good that she does that with me, too. Yeah, exactly. They're very cute. Very cute to watch Yay. together. This was a very fun <laughs> fan fiction to read. I hope that everybody checks it out. It's called um, Just a Matter of Time. I did want to say real quick. I had the opportunity to kind of take a look at your profile and take a oh. look at your other fix and stuff. It's just what I do, right? Yeah, and I noticed that you post a lot of like really shorter one-shot fix. And at first I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I've never seen that before. I mean, I, I've seen one-shots, obviously. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I read a lot of them. But just like noticing how short they were. And at first I was like, oh, wow, I've never seen something like this before. But I wanted to tell you that I've been thinking about this for weeks now after I like looked at some of your one shots. Mm -hmm. And I am super inspired by oh the God. way that you write and post these shorter one shots. And here's why. You probably don't know this. I've talked about this before on the show, but I don't post fan fiction myself. Ooh. I have been reading it for 25 years. I write in secret Google Doc documents <laughs> like just to myself. But I've never posted anything because it's really hard for me to, to like finish, you know, something and I've just never posted anything. And I thought, oh, my God, I never before thought about the possibility of fan fiction just being something so short and sweet. Because, <laughs> of course, like it doesn't matter how long it is. It's fan fiction. Just the idea that people can take an emotion or a single very short scene or something and write something and then post it mm -hmm. was like super inspirational to me. <laughs> and I just wanted you to know that, that some people might look at that and be like, oh, that's strange or different. <laughs> 
I thought it was really cool. After I thought about it, I was like, I could do that too. Yeah. I could write two or three paragraphs and post it probably. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted you to know that it was super cool and um, super inspiring. I'm blushing. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was just super cool. But I wanted to know because like you've been writing and posting for a couple of years. What's the best writing advice you've ever gotten? The best writing advice, there's like so much, but there's one from um, Lisa Hanawalt, who was, I think she was the art director for a show called Bojack Horseman. I think this is true for the entire writing process, like creative process, but she talks about how there was a period in her life where she felt like she was in this artistic slump because the only thing she could make were these disgusting, weird clay figurines. And she felt horrible about her work because she's like, I'm not making anything that's meaningful. But her boyfriend tells her, it doesn't matter like how you feel when you're making these things because you made something that means something. And you just like need to move your hands and when you feel that creative urge, just like make something. Just do it, you know? And that's helped me a lot where, like you mentioned, I have a lot of fix. And <laughs> I think part of why I have so many is because... Uh, they are shorter. But there are times where I just like feel like, who's going to like this idea? But then people do like it because I put myself out there. And I've had times where people tell me like, wow, this is like short, but it made me feel so many emotions in like this constrained amount of time. And even a lot of times with Luigi Daisy fix, it's like, I never expected to get emotional over a Mario fic, but you did it. <laughs> that helps me a lot. And another thing is that when you're going through the writing process, you become desensitized to your own work. So you're like, what the hell, this is old, no one's going to like it. But to readers, that's the first time they're going to see it, and they're going to be like, oh, that's awesome, you know? A little bit strange, but if you've ever seen Pixar's Ratatouille, you'll know the critic at the end where he talks about how it's easy to be critical of something instead of celebrating the new So I saw that movie when I was a little kid, and that helped me realize that I should keep an open mind when it comes to media, because I'll never know if I like it or not. So that's helpful. It's also probably why I enjoy going into stuff fandom blind, because, like, I want to see everything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful to have an open mind about everything, because you never know what's going to inspire you next. Exactly. And you never know when you're going to find something that you didn't expect to like. But you end up liking it anyway. That constant exploration and constantly keeping your eyes open and your heart open to new things. I think that's really, really cool. And in talking about inspiring, I want to also bring up the fic that brought me to Luigi Daisy. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I actually didn't like him very much. I was like, I don't care about these two. And pause everyone's gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> that's so like contradictory to who you are now um but there's a fic called a work of art by usami chan which is on fanfiction.net and archive of our own and i read this fic and i was like i don't really care about luigi daisy but then i read the fic and it blew my mind i was like oh oh it's so good and from then on, I started to love the idea of them being together. And part of why it was so inspiring, looking back, is because they're friends in the fic. And they just kind of slowly start to realize their feelings for each other. And what's a little bit funny is that after I read that fic, I had to go to Hapkido for a class. And I was just like kind of sitting there waiting for the class to start. And I'm like, I want to go home. I want to read that fic again. <laughs> I gotta go back, you know? Yeah, yeah, it'd be like that sometimes when you find, like, a really good fan fiction. Even now that we have, like, our little computers in our pocket, I'm, sometimes I'm teaching, I'm like, oh, man, I, I want to, like, go on a break so I can read that fanfic that I'm reading. For sure, for <laughs> sure. I am constantly, like, sneaking chapters in between what I'm doing all day, even though I'm not supposed to. I'm constantly sneaking fanfiction. So uh, what they don't know won't hurt them, I suppose, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and also, um, the two cakes meme helps me out um, in writing fanfic, which is the idea that, When you give fanfic to people, there are two cakes, and the readers are going to love it. The authors might be like, what? Two cakes? No one's going to like that. No, the readers will. You'll be fine. Oh, I love that. That's very, very good advice. I have learned 
from other fan fiction writers that I've talked to over the years that like, you know, I think fan fiction writers are sometimes really hard on themselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's all creative types. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their worst critics are themselves. And they're always second guessing and being like, is this good enough? Are people going to like it? And like, honestly, that's what holds me back to. Like, I'll be honest. Like, that's probably why I've never posted anything because I just don't think it's good enough and all that stupid shit. Do it. I, exactly. Like, <laughs> one of these days I'll follow everyone's advice that has been giving me advice over the years of just do it because like, you know, you end up posting stuff. And, uh, and and readers respond to it. They really like it, you know? Yeah. And it's all about just doing something that makes you happy and brings, like, that creative joy into your life. And I think we could always use some creative joy every now and then. Because what's life about anyway, if not exactly. that? So, <laughs> now, speaking of other stories and fan fiction writers, we have a couple more minutes left for today. Do you have any other stories or fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out before we close out today? Sure. I want everyone to check out every fanfic author on the subreddit for fanfiction because they bring awesome fics to the table and you're sure to find something that you like. As a blanket thing, you should check out my bookmarks and the fandoms that I write for to see what you would like. Check out Usami-chan. I can send you guys a link if needed. Courtney Courtney for Bob's Burgers fanfic because I read those fics and my heart is aflame with happiness. And you should check out my friend. Her handle is Alexia Crystal Art on Tumblr, TikTok, and Etsy, and Alexia Crystal on YouTube. That's now a request. Go check her out. <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. We will make sure that links for all of that make it up on the show notes in case anybody wants to go check those out because that sounds awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and joining us and talking about fan fiction and fandoms and your fix today. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Mm-hmm.